This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 183. There exists in the far reaches of the galaxy a band of adventurers who soar the gulf of time and space between movies. With their time-traveling starship, this group of retronauts passes through the decades at warp speed, embarking on strange and wondrous missions to explore the sci-fi and fantasy films of the 90s, 80s, 70s, and beyond. There's the seasoned and grizzled first mate, Steve McDonald, the eager and naive new recruit, Evan David, and the intrepid captain, Ben Avery. These are the Strangers and Aliens Retro Movie Missions. Mission 2, The Black Hole. Hello and welcome to another retro movie mission from Strangers and Aliens. I am Captain Ben, Captain Ben Avery, and I have been joined by my my uh, my my co co time traveling space faring movie watching officers. And that would be Sergeant Steve McDonald. That's Sergeant to you. Oh, wait. You just called me. So, hi, everybody. <laughs> and Henson, Evan David. Well, golly, I'm just happy to be on the ship, Captain. Yeah. Yeah. You're lucky That's to be on Sergeant the ship. To you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, 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 you're, you're lucky to be on the ship, Evan. You're lucky. Oh, I feel lucky. We've had people, uh, well, by people, I mean a person call for your demotion. From what? from ensign to I believe that takes you down to cadet. Cadet. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, let me just be honest. I don't even know what an ensign is. I don't even know what I do here. It's a naval rank. It's one of the. It's one of the lowest naval ranks you can have. Uh, and if you take a look at your naval, you will see that it is ranked pretty low right now. Yeah, very low. Um, but you know what? Of of the of, of the people on the ship, you are in my top five or six. So. Oh, well, thanks, Steve. That means a lot. I mean, Sergeant Steve. That means a lot. <laughs> so Sir. that it, means it there's me, there's Steve, and there's two other people who don't exist who potentially could be higher than you on that list. But he's in <sighs> the top five or six. Yeah. I'm not saying he's fifth or sixth. Uh, Evan, Evan, Ensign is a low officer's rank. Uh, Chekhov. When he was introduced to Star Trek, you know he was he was an ensign. He's just there as that low low ranking. Well, um, I'm going to be driving the ship by the end of the movie. Tom Paris. Yeah, that might happen. Tom, no, not Tom Paris. Uh, Wong. What was his name? Garrett Wong. I don't know. Who was that, that is. his character's name? I'm talking about Star Trek Voyager now. He spent seven years him. as an ensign. Um, wow. I don't know why they never promoted him <laughs> through the whole show. But sometimes you just you get into that rut and you just, you know, it's like you you're just about to, to do something good to put it over. But then, like, you know, then you, you spill something on the captain's shirt or something. I'm and you get passed over again. I'm just saying that if you're trapped on a ship and you're the these are the only officers like within millions of light years away. And you're trapped on the same ship for seven years and you've helped the whole ship survive. That whole time, there's there's probably a promotion in there for you somewhere, <laughs> you know. But anyway, Evan, um, really for you, it's just that Evan and Ensign both start with E, 
and <laughs> sounds sounds good to me. Yeah, and and you're the young buck. You're the young gun. It's true. So sort of like Starbuck. Coming that? here with fresh ideas. Well, young yeah. Starbuck. And and going back to Ch- Chekhov, I'm just gonna say, you know, they brought in Chekhov because he was young, and he looked like a beetle. And by <laughs> beetle, I mean he looked like one of the beetles or one of the monkeys. The Russian beetles. You yeah. know, he 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 was brought in to to bring in the. The young ones, to bring in the ladies. <laughs> bring in the ladies. And uh, that's what your job is, Evan. Bring in the ladies. All right, I'll do my best. <laughs> you just got to be here, Evan. You just got to be here. Uh, if you build it, they will come. That I can do. Uh, although noticeably, none of our ladies are on here. Um, well, my wife is on every show. Not on the special ones like this. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's Thanks been on a lot, once Evan. In in a car. She's been on the show. That's right. Oh, it's true. Yeah. We need uh, to Ben, Captain Ben. Yeah. I'm gonna respectfully ask for the name of the guy who called for my demotion. I believe I have the right to face my challenger. Well you can go on Facebook. Yeah. It's right there in the, the comments of the, the episode posting. You're what? you're really ruining yeah. the the whole setup of the ship thing. It's uh, RC, and I'm not going to give the full name here for you know in public, but it says Evan. I don't even know what to say. Captain Avery, what's below Ensign? One of my favorite movies, and I agree. Sarah is a very authentic character in my opinion. Talking about Labyrinth and how much you hated it. I'm just saying your opinions on Labyrinth cause a reaction. That's that's a good thing, Evan. That's why we brought you in here. Yeah, it's a cause you know, reaction. We, we don't want three people with the same opinions. Yes, we do. Uh, okay, we do want, but but it's better it's better radio when, when we don't share the no, same opinions. No, it's not. <laughs> so anyway, hey, uh, let's talk about the next movie that we're going to be doing here in this episode. So for this episode, we're going to be taking our starship, our metaphorical unnamed starship that we need to give a name, even though it's only metaphorical. I mean, it deserves a name, right, guys? I agree. Okay. No. Absolutely not. Deep, perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for, Steve. Thank you. And, <laughs> I so, strongly feel we need a name for the ship. Ah, this is great. And I'm going to stand in between you guys now and be the devil's advocate and say, well, maybe <laughs> I can kind of see both of your ways, guys. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm not even a middle child and I'm trying to mm. call for peace. Yeah, it's not working. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to be taking our metaphorical starship and we are going to be going back in time again and viewing the 1979 Disney sci-fi film, The Black Hole. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, let me know. Evan, have you seen this movie? I have not. Steve? Of course, yeah. Classic. Anyone who's a science fiction fan would have seen this movie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But that's why we're watching it. Yeah. And that's the point of the show. The point of these, the series rather, is uh, not so much to uncover the greatest sci-fi movies ever. Not so much to torture Evan with <laughs> movies that aren't great. Although, it, like what happened last time where we were kind of stepping into a movie I thought he was going to really enjoy. And I thought, let's yeah. start off. Yeah. yeah. Let's start off on a high note. And we didn't. So anyway. But this is a movie I do know, Evan, that you've been wanting to see. Is that correct? It is because 
I am a massive Disney fan and not just like millennial Disney fan where all they know about is the movies from the 90s that are animated and have sing-songy songs. But anything Disney really, I will give it a shot and it probably already has a, a honorary star on its rating for me just because it's from him. And I've wow. heard about the black hole and uh, I've been wanting to see it for a while. just haven't got my hands on it yet. So I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Uh, Steve, yeah. you've, you've seen this movie. Uh, when did you see it first? Oh, wow. Did, did you see um, it in I theaters sh- or? I don't think I saw it in the theaters. I think what I did was, uh, we like, I used to hang out with, you know, some, some pals of mine and we would just do like movie fests and movie thons and other things like that. And we, this was part of it. it this was part of a, like a science fiction bunch or whatever. And, uh, I think we saw the, like the, the, the new version or whatever, the, you know, fully restored director's cut or whatever. Um, but that's, that's about what I remember. <laughs> I don't know exactly what version I saw. Uh, I didn't know there was another version. So mm. we're going to be watching whatever version is on my DVD. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm probably going to watch whatever is on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, the movie is 100 minutes. And so what we're going to do is we are going to, well, it's 98 minutes according to uh, my internet sources. But um, I think we're going to go again with a 25-minute uh, report. And so what we'll do is after we break and head out for the mission uh, and we separate, you know, because that's what you do when you're on a yeah. starship and you go down to a planet you separate yourselves and you put the red shirted ensign out on the front <laughs> front line. All right, guys, I may be an ensign, but there's no way I'm going down there wearing a red shirt. I'm just saying. You don't have to wear the red shirt. You are the red shirt. The red shirt. Oh, gosh. Embrace the red Embrace shirt. Embrace it. Yeah, yeah. No, but we'll be uh, reporting in. So there'll be a, a call in at, at, at 25 minute mark, 50 minute mark, 75 minute mark. And then at the end after credits role and we'll be giving our impressions as we watch and as we go along now for you evan it'll be your first impressions ever and for steve and i it'll be beyond that see i saw this movie for the first time on tv just like on a saturday afternoon in syndication it might have been one of those uh, we had our one station that they would have a movie in the afternoon that was um, sponsored by a window company and every single <laughs> commercial was just that window company with a guy on a set with a bunch of windows talking about all the deals they had for these windows and window installations and sliding glass doors and I, I that's the way orca was when i saw orca that i mean there's just a lot of movies that i remember just like it just doesn't feel right without the window uh, ads <laughs> and I, yes. I think that's what it was with with black hole but i watched it on tv but my first my first exposure to the black hole was actually on, I believe it was Wonderful World of Disney. And I just remember they had like Herbie and the devil was riding in Herbie and they what? were talking about, yeah, it was weird. It was, what? and they're like going around the back lot and into like the places where they're, they're, they have special effects and stuff like that. I might, I mean, this is all mixed up in my mind, but I just remember seeing scenes from Black Hole and just thinking, oh, wow. I want to see this. And I had a, a storybook and I had, um, some merchandise uh, activity books and stuff from the black hole. Yeah. My first experience with the black hole was, uh, we went to Disney in 1980 
and I got the comic books. I think they were like Gold Key or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or but, Whitman, uh, yeah. I got the comic books for the Black Hole, and that was like my my at the time it was like my holy grail. But uh, it was before I was started actually collecting comic books. So my yeah. first exposure, I'm pretty sure, was in Disney Seen It. I think. Where what is that clip? <laughs> what is that? I have no idea what that is. Oh, really? It's a Seen It is a board game. It's a DVD board game. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was the Disney version. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, Disney and sci-fi. All right, this looks right up my alley. So. Well, we'll see if it is. We'll see I if it is. I think it was that. I could be wrong. It could have been an internet video where they were doing a top 10 list or something. I mean, this this came out in 79, and it was um, uh, was the first PG Disney movie, I believe. I think so. It had some mild swearing in it. Yeah, it, I, it did mm. have some swears in it. Yeah. Um, and it's – I'm not going to get too much more into it. I don't want to give away uh, really any more details, but it, they spent a lot of money on this movie. Yeah. And they almost ran out of money to spend <laughs> on this movie. Um, Disney almost ran out of money? Okay. Well, for the movie's budget, they, they had to – I'm not going to get into it too much, but they had to cut a couple corners. You'll wow. see. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end. But um, yeah, I think from here we just need to go ahead and and I think we're gonna we're gonna head out on our on our away mission here. So, let's do it. Yeah, and we'll come back. Make it so. So let's engage. Engage the movie to infinity. And beyond! Something like that. Captain's Retro Movie Log, 25 minutes into the movie The Black Hole. And uh, here's what's happened. There's a spaceship, it has a crew, and a robot named Vincent. And the crew and the robot named Vincent have discovered a black hole. And in discovering the black hole, they've also discovered a ship. And that ship quite possibly was captained by one of the people on the our ship uh, with the crew. It's her father's ship, and he might be on board. But before they can get on the ship, they're going to have trouble with the black hole. It's going to damage their ship, so they have to land on this, this old, old exploration ship. And it's big. It's impressive. They land on it. They go inside. It's a mystery because where's all the crew? And at the end of our 25 minutes, we find ourselves at, at the point where it's a, some of the mystery is going to be revealed to them. And I have to say, watching this, I was enjoying myself. And I was watching, why was I enjoying myself? Uh, you know, I like this kind of stuff. Uh, it's slow moving. The special effects are decent. You know, it's, it's basically, it's post-Star Wars, but they weren't allowed to use the Star Wars Industrial Light and Magic machinery. So, being Disney, they did what Disney does. And what does Disney do? Disney creates their own technology. And if you watch, actually, some of the, there's some cool extra features on this, but there's some cool extra features on, like, Pete's Dragon and even Darby O'Gill and Little People. And you can see where they've, you know, Disney has created their own technology to create special effects. And that's a lot of what they did here. Um, so, yeah, the, the effects are really good. Space looks like Jack Kirby's space where there's just so much stuff going on. It's very, very bright. There's hardly any black. The only black really comes from uh, that black hole. Uh, 
The other thing that happens here is we have the overture, and and that's something that they used to do where they would play an overture with the music playing. And uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture has this, 2001, I think, has, you know, a lot of old movies used to do this. And this is about the time when it was kind of falling out of favor, but they had one here. Music is by John Barry, and so I'm going to just talk about John Barry here right now, maybe not so I don't have to later. But uh, John Barry is an, a composer I really, really like. A lot of his soundtracks sound alike, but only in sound, not in actual melody, like um, uh, uh, James Horner. But uh, John Barry's soundtrack here, it's perfect. It swirls and it swoops and there's majesty in it. And it's a perfect space opera type of feel. Now, he also did the music for um, Moonraker, and it sounds a lot like that that soundtrack. And he did the, the music for... Oh, it's the David Hasselhoff Star Wars ripoff. But here he's doing the Disney Star Wars ripoff. And you can tell it's a Disney Star Wars ripoff because there's an R2-D2 slash C-3PO all in one named Vincent. And then there is also Stormtroopers, at least in the first 25 minutes here. We are seeing that. Um, I'll talk about the actors maybe in another segment here. Uh, I, I'm going to cut this one off now. But I'm I'm very curious how Evan is feeling right now because... It's quite possible that he's watching this and just thinking it's boring and dumb, or he's watching the spectacle and enjoying himself with the the bigness and the um, you know the space opera ness of it. And I, I guess the final thing I want to talk about is I had forgotten about how much they talk about uh, the Dante's Inferno, and you know I see something like that and I expect a devil with red horns. And uh, there's a lot of stuff here front loaded. Uh, where they are going to be diving into the themes that are going to be popping up at the end. So it's not completely out of the blue, just mostly out of the blue when we get there. So that's my first log report. This is Captain Ben signing off. Evan's log. I'm 25 minutes into Black Hole, and the crew has just reached the control tower of the mysterious derelict ship and uh, i have to say so far i am intrigued i'm not bored at all uh it's very interesting the the overture at the beginning was different haven't experienced that in too many movies i've watched where they just they, they take time to just have the overture and and display that that that's what you're you're listening to on the screen uh ESP kind of came out of nowhere. For some reason, this lady has ESP, and the robot also has ESP. And apparently, several other robots also have ESP. Very interesting. Uh, let's see. What else can I say? The acting is eh. I mean, I'm liking the captain's acting, but everybody else is kind of kind of subpar in my my estimation uh, the robot's good i like i like his voice i think i've heard him somewhere before i can't put my finger on it though uh the effects for me are holding up um i'm not i haven't done any research on on black hole i don't know if it's pre or post star wars but uh the effects seem on par for the original theatrical release for star wars and uh maybe even a little bit better except except for the the uh anti-gravity effects where you can clearly clearly see the wires uh on the actors but besides that um 
yeah, I'm liking the I'm liking the set design. I'm liking the the prop design, and uh, it, you know, I have the uh, Walt Disney Tomorrowland set of of shorts where they they went and they tried to dramatize what the future of space travel might be like. And I think it was made in the fifties, uh, the late fifties, early sixties, I think. And uh, this seems like a continuation of that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm liking the, the vision of the future that they're giving us here. It's kind of cool. Uh, I, and I also like the effect of the black hole. Very, very interesting how they did that. All right. I'm going to keep watching. Uh, I'm, I'm not loving it, but I'm liking it so far. So yeah. The black hole. Thoughts on the first 25 minutes of the movie. A lot of people think this is a science fiction movie, but if you look at it as sort of you know gothic horror instead of science fiction, I think it makes a lot more sense. Bear with me. There's this element of the haunted house, which is the ship, the Cygnus, which is beautifully designed and constructed on the outside. Of course, on the inside, there's something wrong with it. The control room is so perfect and we get to that within the first 25 minutes and you start to understand that there's something wrong with the inner workings of this thing and with the classic gothic horror haunted house story this is what it's about it's about the self the the body of the person reading it is the the house the haunted house and you are understanding that this house is representative of your own body your sinful body and you're you're starting to understand that the things inside that are wrong the things that are happening that are wrong inside of it that is are is being visited by the main characters their sin they're the things that are wrong inside a body and something needs to be corrected. So if you look at it as gothic horror, I'm not trying to say that it's the best movie in the world, but it makes a lot more sense than looking at it as a, just a strictly science fiction movie. It doesn't follow the same types of things that science fiction does. In a little sense it does, but it really starts to follow more gothic horror. And I'll get into that a little bit more as the movie goes on. This is just to set up the first part of the movie, and I'll dig into some more specifics as we go. But there you go, my first blast. All right, it's Captain's Log, 50 minutes in, and Act 2 is in full, full swing. Our crew is investigating the ship. Our crew meets the sole remaining human on the ship, a Dr. Reinhardt. It is not Kate's father, but it is someone who knew her father and someone who was on this ship with him. And our conflicts are getting set up. Reinhardt is basically a Captain Nemo type who this is his this is his kingdom. This is his realm. He's out here to do science. And some of the crew is put off by him and some of the crew, uh, Anthony Perkins especially, is really taken by him because of the science. Uh, Vincent and Maximilian. Okay, Maximilian is one of the classic villains of sci-fi, one of the underrated classic villains of sci-fi, or maybe one of the classic villains of underrated sci-fi. 
doesn't matter. But he's a cool floating robot with spinning blades for hands, and he's very, very impressive, very, very scary, and he's basically a Darth Vader kind of thing. He and Vincent don't get along, and they do a couple different stare downs in this episode, or this this episode in this segment of the movie. And then we get the creepy mystery. We have robots giving another robot a funeral. Why would they do that? And what is it about them that makes them so lifelike and yet so not lifelike? And why does Reinhardt have an affinity to them? And you know, he says they, they're positively medieval. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, he's, he's, he's old-fashioned, I guess. And he, there, there's something about them. And now, of course, I know what the mystery is. I'm curious when this mystery is revealed how Evan is going to feel about it. But we're not there yet. Right here, we're just in that buildup. And you know what I have to say? I have to say this. Say what you will about the science of the black hole. And Neil deGrasse Tyson... He has said what he will about the science. He says this is the least scientifically accurate sci-fi movie of all time. And, of course, Neil deGrasse, Tyson, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, life job, his role in life, is to basically make it so you don't uh, have any fond feelings for any science fiction movies. He wants to make sure you know that that movie is wrong. That's his goal in life is to make you feel that. And so he says that about the black hole. Now, of course, the black hole, the science is bad, but the script is tight. And there's some really good lines, especially from Vincent with some of his truisms, his little things that he says. But the script, I mean, we, we have this mystery, this building mystery, and it's very interesting, at least to me, just the way it builds and, and what's hidden and what is it about out there? You know, that that's what is it about the ship and what happened to the people of the ship? And <clears throat> yeah, it's just I, I and I have to say, Vincent, I mean, he's great. A wolf remains a wolf, even if it has not eaten your sheep. Uh, there are three basic types, the wills, the won'ts and the can'ts. The wills accomplish everything. The won'ts oppose everything. And the can'ts won't try anything. And, you know, Vincent, he's a great character. Uh, this movie is not perfect, and it does not deserve to have a, you know, <laughs> a place in sci-fi history as this great movie. But I, I, I appreciate what's good about this, and what's good about this is this story, this script, this mystery. Yeah, not perfect at all, but at least a little bit enjoyable. So I hope Evan's enjoying it. We'll find out. But for now, this is Captain Ben... Retronaut signing off. It's time for another 25 minutes of this movie. Evan's log. I'm now 50 minutes into the film. Uh, what's his name? Vincent is having a sharpshooting contest, and the rest of the crew are having dinner with the combination of Charles Muntz and Vandal Savage. I don't actually know his real name in the movie, but that's who he reminds me of Charles Muntz and Vandal Savage. And uh, his character is the most uh, intriguing one to me in in the one of the most well acted, uh, as far as I'm concerned, in the film. He's very interesting, and I'm I'm interested to see where the plot's going. I I think it's cool that they're going to go into the black hole, and uh, I once again I'm loving the set design. Very neat. I like it a lot. Uh, the humanoid robots. They're trying their best to act like robots. They really are. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep watching. Uh, it's not 
it's not terrible. It's not bad. I'm I'm enjoying the movie. All right. The black hole minutes twenty five or twenty six to fifty. Um, we are looking at something that is probably it, it's so reminiscent of the uh, the Forbidden Planet, fantastic nineteen fifties movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, it'll probably add to your appreciation of this movie. But the Forbidden Planet was loosely based on. Shakespeare play, The Tempest, and this one is more, I think, based on a Faustian uh, template. Uh, Faust, if you don't know, is a meme that's heavily used. It's basically a man who makes a deal with the devil, and what comes out after his he nears the end of his life and realizes he's made the wrong decision. Um, but here we have, it's more of a, a Faustian play than it is a Shakespearean play. The character of Reinhardt is a very interesting one because he's obviously making decisions based on what he believes to be right and how he perceives reality. So sometimes if we're listening to him, we're not getting the whole truth. And we have to realize that as we're going forward into the movie which we'll very quickly start to realize that he's not telling the truth and see the results of that. The characters, as far as I feel, are not very well defined. You have some very stereotypical characters, but the character of Kate is interesting because of her ESP, which she uses to communicate with robots. And I've heard a lot of people have a problem with that, but if you look at what ESP really is, extrasensory perception, her extrasensory perception is that she can sense, perceive through whatever means, robotic stuff. So as long as you can take it as that's just another superpower, other superhumans have that type of power, so it's not that much of a big deal, a big stretch. It's not ESP with human ESP that she can read other people's minds. She can do that with robots. No big deal, I don't think. Except that she's the only person in the entire film with superpowers, and she only uses it to communicate with robots. So, <clears throat> like I said, it's not a perfect movie, but if you look at it more of a gothic horror haunted house piece it starts to really play out better. And I think the next segment will go into that a little bit more with some elements that define a little bit more what we're looking at. Captain's Log, 75 minutes in. And this section demonstrates so much of what is right about this movie. The next section demonstrates other stuff. But this section demonstrates why we were playing Black Hole on the playground. Now, we didn't know who the characters were, but we wanted those cool guns. The guns that go over and under. Those were so cool. Those lasers. We would make them out of Lego. We'd make them out of sticks. We would do whatever we could. We'd make those guns and integrate them into our shooting time on the playground and in our backyards. The other thing that was cool about this whole segment here is just the 
the imagery. Uh, Maximilian, again, he is or should have been, could have been, maybe should have been is the wrong word, but could have been an icon of sci-fi robots. Maybe he is. I don't know. Vincent, another one. I mean, he's C-3PO, he's R2-D2, and he is a fighter robot that I can't name right now. IG-88 will go with and all roll into one. I, the dude is just awesome. Maybe slightly a little bit too awesome. And, you know, there's some cheesiness involved there, too, especially when you get Bob into the equation, who looks like Oxter the Grouch, the robot version. Um, and they, I, they do remind me a little bit of puppets, the way they bounce up and down and they emote with their can heads and stuff like that. But uh, another icon, or could have been icon, uh, if it just weren't for <laughs> the problems that this movie has, they would have been icons. Even the ship design. I mean, the Cygnus, the, the uh, smaller ships, the probe, and the ship that the, the good guys came in on. Uh, they're they're cool designs. There's so much good, and it's all front and center in this section with the shooting and the running around the ship. And yes, there's some problems with the map paintings and the uh, the shading of the the projected image on the you know the miniature images and, and those kind of things. But uh, they they are still. I mean, they were state of the art at the time. And like I said, you know, Disney was creating creating technology. Um, one problem, of course, is Star, uh, you know, how Vincent defeats Star. Now, Star is, of all of the trooper robots that are on this ship, Star is the sharpshooter. He is the black prototype as far as he's cool because he's black armor, not rust armor. And he he loses a shootout uh, at a, in a shooting arcade with Vincent, and he blows a gasket because he's just such a sore loser. But... You know, he looks really cool. I mean, they made a toy of that one. So anyway, this this whole segment here, then you have the chasing and the running and the flying and the, you know, escaping. And they're trying to escape the Death Star. I mean, they're trying to escape the Cygnus and they're fighting all the stormtroopers. I mean, whatever the robots are called here. And you, you even get the <laughs> the rogue young hero running in for an escape, not flying in, but running in for escape and shouting, yeah. Uh, I mean, if this is not blatant Star Wars ripoff, I don't know what is. But I'm enjoying myself. And the other imagery is that of the the drone uh, robots that are you know working things. And this is where you get the reveal. Uh, so this whole mystery thing is coming up. They find out that the ship has been uh, they were supposed to turn around. The crew didn't want didn't want to obey. Um, Reinhardt and Reinhardt wanted to keep going. And so what did Reinhardt do? He had them all turned into mindless drones. So these robots that are cloaked and have a silver face, that's a silver, lifeless, dead, just blank slate of a face. But underneath is a preserved, basically a preserved zombie. And that image where Anthony Perkins finally takes that face away. Great moment great great moment and it gets me every time i forget exactly what it looks like and then when he does it i remember oh this is what's coming up and then he does it and oh my goodness it's creepy it's creepy and cool and yeah so this this whole segment here i i enjoy now we're going to get into some stuff that gets a little more wonky uh i have a feeling this portion we'll find out in a moment but i have a feeling this portion evan will kind of like 
It's the next portion. And I don't know what Steve is thinking about all this stuff. Uh, I know he's seen the movie before. I know he, he has some collectibles from the movie. Um, but I, I don't know what he thinks about the movie. So we'll see. I've given up trying to predict things about Steve. He always, I mean, he basically proves me wrong. So we'll see. We'll see. Evan's log. I'm now 75 minutes into the movie. And uh, the acting is noticeably bad <laughs> at some parts, I will say. And uh, the music, I like the theme, but it is, it's seeming ill-timed with some of the action sequences. Uh, it's like they came up with the overture of the theme beforehand and just decided to stick it in different spots without uh, composing the music to the film. I don't know if they did that, but that's what it seems like to me. Maybe it's just a, a product of the times. I don't know. Uh, the action, I'm entertained by it. I'm liking it. I'm into the movie. Uh, unexpectedly violent with the whole uh, blender hand robot guy. Unexpected violence, but I'm going to keep watching. Uh, I'm excited to see how it's all going to end. All right. The Black Hole, minutes 51 to 75. And here we have more of what I'm talking about with the gothic horror. First of all, we start to really understand what's going on here. The character of Reinhardt is over the top here with his ends justifying the means. Pragmatism as a worldview does not work. You can't always be concentrating on the ends justifying the means because at some point that's going to break down and you're just looking for immediate results and you're not looking for process. If you don't have process, you're not going to have the results you really need. So you're not you're going to lose the results that you're getting immediately. And we're having a problem here with him making people into robots or cyborgs. Cybernetics isn't really a big problem, and we've seen plenty of movies where cybernetics works well, but of course forced cybernetics or, you know, sacrificing a person's life for the sake of having them be a cybernetic robot that you can control that's the problem. And we're seeing Reinhardt really lording it over these things that have no other choice. Also, we see a little bit more of the gothic horror angle with, I forget his name, Ernest Borgnine's character when he is talking to someone and he finds out that there's more vegetation than would be for just one person. If it was just Reinhardt on the ship, they don't need that whole hydroponics laboratory, whatever you want to call it, just a huge garden. So he's talking to this robot that he thinks is a robot. It's really a person, but it limps and it goes into the corridor and then it disappears. And I think this is a call by the creators of the film to let you know that something is going on here that is representative of the supernatural representative of something that 
isn't supposed to happen this way. So this thing disappears. And when he goes into the hall, he just can't find it. It's not there. How quickly could it have gotten anywhere? It really couldn't. So I think right then you're sort of saying to yourself, aha, this is a haunted house. That's a ghost. That is representative of that element. You know, there's something wrong in the house and there's something wrong in my body when there's sin in my body. So going forward, we're going to see that play out, especially in the ending. I'm not going to ruin it right here, but we'll see that a little bit more. And also we see in this segment, Maximilian, the robot, killing. And he kills, like I said, these characters really are not very strong characters, but he, he kills uh, one of the characters. And um, it's just sort of over the top and blatant and something that could have been avoided. But this robot, Maximilian, I think is representative of something that's even deeper. It's malevolent. It's, it's a sickness of the soul. It's something that is playing out in this whole system that is even stronger and greater than Reinhardt and his evil. So we're going to see that play out as well. And that's the end of my third segment. Captain's Log. And so we come to the end. The end. Oh, man. And what an ending. So here's what happens. Spoiler alert. Dr. Reinhardt goes all Captain Nemo. He goes crazy. He decides he's going to dive into the black hole before the good guys can get off the ship. And so they dive in and his ship crumbles around him as the good guys try to escape. And the good guys, when they get to their ship, it's gone. And so they have to go and find another ship and they take off in the other ship. But Dr. Reinhardt has already programmed it to go into the black hole. So the big ship crumbles around and they go into the black hole. And as I said... What an ending. Uh, we'll talk about the ending, but basically the Star Wars ripoff turns into a 2001 ripoff with tons of religious overtones, including a classical image of hell, glass cathedral hallways, a literal angel leading the way to safety. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing that gives me hope for them. Because at the end of this movie, <laughs> they're out the back end of the back of the black hole. Where are they? Well, if it's a literal angel who has led them through to safety, then maybe they're in a good place, and maybe that is Earth. And it always has bothered me that we're supposed to look at this as a happy ending until this viewing where I wonder, okay, so maybe maybe this is that supernatural being flying through, following, they, they follow it, and, and it leads them through to a safe place where they can uh, survive on the other side of the black hole through some sort of... Um, wormhole that took them through hell and heaven. Uh, man, what an ending. What an ending. But as you can see, this is also the part where it all falls apart. And I'm not just talking about the ship. The imagery is so cool. And that rolling uh, meteor go that f just tumbles through the middle of the ship. And uh, as they're running across, just silhouettes running across the bridge. The, you know, there's such cool stuff there but then you get into some of the really really poor effects and that that final battle between maximilian and vincent which we thought was so cool when we were kids 
And watching it now, every time I see this, that part breaks down even more for me. But the bottom line is I watch this movie and it, I, I, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy what it tries to do at the end, even though I don't even know if they knew what they were trying to do at the end. I don't know if I know what they're trying to do at the end, but I enjoy what they're trying to do at the end. And I mean, they didn't know how it was going to end. There was, they were going to do something with the Sistine Chapel and there's all these different ideas and budget problems and all that kind of thing. And uh, then the actors didn't want to put on space suits. And so they, you know, they're, they're going through things that should be, it should be the vacuum of space and they shouldn't be able to breathe, but they're able to run through. I mean, there, there's all sorts of problems here at the end. And a lot of it has to do with money and time and actors who have just given up on it. <laughs> but I watched this movie and there's just something about it. Now, the music is stuck in my head and it's not going to get out. But, you know, uh, eventually something else will take its place to annoy me. So this is my final report and I am logging off. I have no idea how Evan and Steve are going to be feeling here at this point. But uh, those of you who know me, you knew I was going to say this kind of thing. And, and those of you, who, well, those of you who don't know me, don't know me. Captain Ben signing off. Evan's log. I finished the movie. And... That was a strange ending. I was going to be mad if we didn't go inside the black hole. And I really liked the visual effects in this uh, final 25 minutes. Uh, like the giant meteor rolling down the the ship. That was pretty sweet. And I, I got to think like this was some groundbreaking stuff. And people were wowed by the, the stuff they're able to pull off here even though it is a bit dated by today's standards. Uh, I really, I thought it was really cool. The the effects of the ship going through the black hole, at least the exterior shots, the interior shots, not so much, but I was pretty impressed by the exterior shots. Uh, I thought they were really sweet looking uh, inside the black hole. Wow. That was interesting. Uh, some interesting themes here. We got themes about, uh, I mean, they talk about God, they talk about heaven and hell and, uh, the you know going inside the mind of God, and we get some of that visual imagery, ish, inside the black hole of hell and heaven, and uh, yeah, in, I'm anxious to see what my fellow uh, shipmates think about this, uh, and what they th- what they have to tell me because I'm sure they know a lot more background about it than I do. But yeah, okay, so all in all, not not terrible and not uh not as terrible as i was led to believe it was gonna be uh but not great not great but not terrible so at least it wasn't terrible and i'm anxious to talk about it i i yeah okay i'm just gonna leave the rest of my comments to talk about with uh with ben and steve okay i made it through the black hole in one piece i'm heading toward that giant uh eclipsing sun thing uh in stop motion. All right. Black hole. We are getting the end game. It's ramping up. It's everything's happening now at the same time. Since it's pretty straightforward, I wanted to talk a little bit about gothic horror. Fear goes back to the Garden of Eden. So you have that very visceral, very ancient 
element to storytelling, to human nature, fear of the unknown. Adam and Eve didn't know what to expect. It was all new. So it was that visceral, it was that real to them that they tried to cover themselves. And in storytelling where you have horror as its base, you have that element, that fear of the unknown. And what is more unknown in our reality, scientifically, than what is on the other side of a black hole? We don't know. We can't send things there. Light dies there. So it's a science fiction setting, but it's not really a science fiction story. And it's playing out very much uh, the same way a, a gothic horror story would play out. The things are collapsing. The house, the ship is in jeopardy. And they have to get out. They have to get away from it. There's, how do you do that? You know, all these different elements are now playing out. When Reinhardt is dying, he says, more light. Which, interestingly enough, was Goethe who wrote Faust. Goethe, I don't know how people pronounce it nowadays. But when he had finished Faust and he was near the end of his life, uh, his last words were, more light. In the end of his Faust story, Faust finds this spiritual light. Faust is an old trope. It's an old meme. goes back, you know, two or three hundred years before Goethe wrote his version. Marlowe wrote a play based on Faust, and it even goes back further than that, the German version of it. But in Marlowe's version, he dies and he goes to hell. Um, in Goethe's version, he finds a spiritual light. He finds more light and is able to find redemption. I, in this thought, I pledge my faith unswerving. Here wisdom speaks its final word and true. None is of freedom or of life deserving unless... He daily conquers it anew. It's a little Faust for you near the end of the end of the great uh, poem by Goethe, and I think it just sort of reinforces the Christian theme of it. You know, you have this horrible, terrible thing where this man is selling his soul, but we have another type of Christian theme here in the black hole where we have this uh, seeming vision of hell. I think it's going back to the Marlowe version where Faust does not get redemption and the heavenly type of vision that is going on with the, the heroes of the story as they travel through the, the black hole. And here I think perhaps this is another way that Kate is using her ESP, her extrasensory perception, because she's maybe the angelic type figure that we see going down the the infinite hall, but perhaps she's the one that's sort of the glue that's holding them all together with her ability to uh, sense outside of herself. And this is a very surreal part of the movie. This is the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey type of thing where it's the next step, the next 
thing that they're going to do that's going to bring them to whatever is going to happen next in their life. And we have no idea what that is. Same thing in 2001 A Space Odyssey, although we get sequels and stuff like that. It, take the movie for what it is. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's just, it's experiential. And that's what we have here in the black hole as well. So they're through. You have Maximilian Shell <laughs> going into the shell of Maximilian, which was, I don't know if that was intended or if it was just a incredible pun that no one picked up until <laughs> the end of the filming or whatever. But the vision of him being encased in this robotic shell, I have no idea for how long, because I don't think it has the ability to sustain his life. I think it's more metaphorical than it is uh, literal. And like a good gothic horror story, you get a lot of the metaphorical. You don't think too heavily on the literal because at the end of the story, that's when the things matter. Um, um, I'll put this right out there. This is not a favorite movie of mine. Recasting it as a gothic horror helped sort out some of the problems that I've had with it, but it still didn't put it over the top for me and make it a good science fiction movie. It didn't really make it a good gothic horror movie, although there were some very good elements. I really enjoyed the ship design, especially the outside of the ship and the, the computer room design. But there you have it, the black hole. Take it for what it's worth. Enjoy it if you can. There's probably a lot of elements that I didn't enjoy just because I don't enjoy those elements. You might. There you go. All right. So we are all back together here for the debriefing, the mission debriefing, if you would. And gentlemen, um, we've heard your reports. Evan, you made it through this one. I did. Yeah, it sounds well, like you had a better time than, than Labyrinth, yeah. Yeah. Um, and kicking yeah, and screaming. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm trying to think about whether I, I think I enjoyed this one more than Labyrinth just because I didn't have that icky feeling in me as I was watching it like I did with Labyrinth. But as far as entertainment wise, I will, I will definitely concede that La- Labyrinth is more entertaining than this one, but I enjoyed this one more. Yeah, it's it's different tones that they're striking yeah, and different yeah. genres and that. And Steve, uh apparently, you know, not your first rodeo with this movie. You've you've been no, down No, I've I've seen this. I actually had an, uh, an aborted attempt to watch it with the kids earlier, I think <laughs> last year, and um they were just sort of like, "What?" And then they sort of wandered out of the room and didn't come back, and so I was like, "Hey, wait, hey, they're watching a movie here." But <clears throat> it's okay. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, I've seen this a number of times. I never saw it the whole way through until I was probably a teenager or maybe an adult even. But on the wonderful world of Disney, I saw clips of this movie all the time. And I think it was even there were a couple clips from the movie that were in like the opening credits of Wonderful World of Disney, like the the rolling meteor tearing through the middle of the ship and the probe uh, going through into the, the black hole. Um, 
and then but i remember playing we didn't play black hole on the playground but and i already talked about this a little bit but we we it was the imagery that we had that was that we used in the playground where it was those guns and the i you know oh, the two yeah the, the, the upper and the lower top thing. And bottom. yeah yeah and, and i already talked about it in my in my report but um you know so uh, yeah, I think would you well, it sounds like you guys wouldn't agree. My my basic take being this is an underrated movie that could have been a classic of sci-fi if they had just veered a little left instead of taking the turns that they did take. It it just well, misses it. It just misses I think it. They could they could have taken the the tip from Star Wars and just made the cast a little bit more uh, diverse, so it's not just all you know astronauts. They could have put someone with, and, and I'm not trying to insult the actors here or the actress, but someone on the ship with a little bit more personality, almost like if if the Vincent was a person or a robot or you know something where it was more, uh, you can tell it was actually a human being behind it somehow. Um, but what does that say would... when you say Vincent and I, and I would include Bob Vincent and Bob were the most interesting and maybe even <laughs> the most human of the characters. Yes. Right. But when you take the humanity and put it into a robot, that's not a physical, I mean, C-3PO is a physical human form. So in some ways you can sort of be like, you know, he's, he's in between. So you sort of yeah, give him yeah. that grace. Well, and, and Vincent and Bob. I mean, they're they're right. trash can puppets. I mean, yes, they're, they're so puppets. You can't, you, they don't have that humanity that you're looking not for at all. when it comes to. Except for in the voice acting, which Roddy McDowell is great. Yeah, yeah. Great. And Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. They both. <laughs> and then whoever's doing the voice for Maximilian. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic. Awesome. He was a silent film actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did well. But. Yeah, so I mean, it's not a perfect fatty, movie. Fatty Arbuckle, I think, did the uh, did Maximilian. <laughs> it's not a perfect movie, but it's one that I really appreciate for what it's trying to be, and mm-hmm. and for what it wants to be, because uh, it wants to be. I think it wants to be a meaningful sci-fi movie with right. action, you know, and and with Star Wars effects and action, and it doesn't really conquer that hill that it, I think it was setting out to to conquer. Well, I agree with you that, you know, if they would have just, you know, gone a little bit uh, to the left or, or to the right, done something a little bit different, it could have been a, a sci-fi classic because, yeah, I mean, the visual effects, I was very impressed. And I, I liked the whole, like I said in my reports, I liked my I liked the uh, set designs and just the whole aesthetic of the whole thing. And I think I said this in, in the beforehand, but, yeah, this the whole time I'm watching this, it's kind of like I'm watching it and I'm already sitting on one star and building off of that because I know where this comes from. It comes from Disney and I, it just has that I'm looking at it through the rose colored glasses that I know it's from Disney. And so it's already got a star for me going in. Uh, so I probably liked it more than I should have. Yeah. And I like your take on it, Steve, that whole Gothic horror thing the mm-hmm. you know, kind of the haunted house. I hadn't thought of this one as a haunted house story i mean alien is it's a haunted house in space i mean ridley scott said that specifically i hadn't thought about that for this one and i think partially because the elements of the ghosts 
being the the crew that mm-hmm. yeah i mean maybe not even a haunted house but more a haunted ship because it's got the crew that's still on the ship but they're they're walking dead they're or right, you know, I mean, they're, haunt, they're ghosts I mean haunted house i mean haunted house in the in the meme the haunted yeah, house yeah. meme but what i'm what i'm saying is the crew is there and to me they're drones you know they're they're robotic they are you know they're transformed they're transhuman possibly mm-hmm. and they don't have their soul yeah they're dehumanized they don't have their soul anymore they're completely under his control and mm-hmm. and so for me it was always the, the sciencey <laughs> science ishness of what happened to them kind of took away from the supernatural uh imagery of what they were mm-hmm. with the cloak and 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 that uh now right. the supernatural imagery at the end that's not going anywhere. I mean, that's clear. I think, you know, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about here, I think we should uh, maybe talk about the end and some okay. of the spiritual significance or the potential spiritual significance versus the intended <laughs> spiritual significance. <laughs> if we can even figure out what that is meant to be. Uh, and then we can do our ratings and then, uh, Evan, we've got our buddy Shazbot, and he is here to present your selection for the next movie. Okay. And when I say your selection, I mean I'm going to let you select four movies. Select one movie from four. Okay. So we'll get to that when we get to it. But what do you think of the ending? <laughs> what do you think of the ending? Uh, well, it obviously <laughs> is going back to the 2001 uh, and what they most have recently done with uh, Interstellar. Uh. Like, yeah, you know, what's yeah. in the black hole, it's it's supernatural, it's beyond science, it's it's so beyond the our realm of understanding, it 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 looks like something that we don't even we can't even comprehend what it is. Um and they didn't do it as well <laughs> as now now, okay, I I'm gonna put this in here. I have not yet seen two thousand one. You're working um, on it though, aren't you? You yeah, I'm working on it. it. You yeah, you have my copy of something. it. I do. I have the DVD, I'm gonna watch it. I'm just waiting on some stuff. Uh, but I I know the ending already, so I'm kind of already spoiled there. But uh, what's but the ending to... then? Tell me what the ending is. Okay, he goes into like a black hole thing and then turns into an omnipresent space baby. You're wrong. So okay, okay. good. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't ruined the ending for yourself yet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> In so, vague okay. terms, it's close. Uh, okay. It's well, just good. it's then just I'm the journey. You're it. missing the journey here, Evan. You're missing the journey. But here we're actually going into hell or at least into a into a visual representation of the popularization of the hell imagery. So it's it's fire, it's rocks, it's crags and it's marching dead people who are just or and then some of them are just standing around in a cave. And. And Reinhardt is in Maximilian's armor, kind of standing over it, as if he's is he is is this the you know better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven, kind of thing. I think it's more, you know, he is is you know enslaved to this thing. He, he there's the dead shell. I mean, Maximilian shell inside the Maximilian shell. Is this dead? He he has no other option but to be in there. He's trapped. And he is trapped. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like it's a, a Iron Man suit. He can't use it and fly it around. It's not made for that. No, so but he's, he's he's standing there as if he's the ruler, but he's the ruler of what? Nothing. I mean, he is yeah. trapped and this is not a good thing for him to be the ruler. And no. even if your ultimate goal in life was to have some sort of absolute power, which is kind of what his ultimate goal in life was, um, the absolute power in that place means nothing let alone limited power being trapped in that, that shell of, of a robot. <laughs> so, yeah. I just yeah. thought they were all hallucinating. Which might be, <laughs> it, it could be, it, it really could because they set it up where, whose perspective are we seeing this from? You know? And uh, yeah. And, and cause they keep cutting back to them doing that whole twisty rolly thingy. In, in the ship as their seats yep. as their seats are rolling around but their walls are staying it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense that the right the ship is not built that way but uh then they follow an angelic form through the halls of a cathedral mm-hmm. which you know you you steve were talking about it being potentially kate's uh psychic self or yeah, or her her a, a visualization a pre- of her ESP helping them make that transition. But what I hadn't thought of was if you could, if you're taking this literal as in, yeah, they did, they dipped through hell and now that's an actual angel who's actually leading them out. I I was kind of trying to figure out, is that what they're trying to say here? But I think I like the idea of what you're saying of Kate actually being the one who, because of her uh, ESP, her, her psychicness, she's able to pull them through or lead them through. Because it always, always, always bothered me. This ending <laughs> bothered me that wherever they came out, it was right next to a planet. Of course, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a happy ending. And they're giving you this happy ending. But the happy ending means nothing to me because it's, it's like, it's coincidence. It's entirely coincidence. Yeah. Unless it's, it's Kate. <laughs> well, yeah. But if it's Kate who brings them out and brings them out near a planet, or if it's an angel who, you know, leads them out, it's, it's you're, you're losing coincidence then. And I'm, I'm liking that yeah. idea better. I actually ordered the book to see what the book said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it Surprise didn't come. You don't have it. It didn't come in time. Uh, and so I'm actually no. going to return it <laughs> because <laughs> well, I ordered it and uh, I thought it would be, Oh, I'll be here in a week, you know? And then I get the notification of when it will arrive. And it says it's going to be here in a month. Wow. Wow. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. I'm returning it. I had something happen for the first time ever where I got my notification and said, we cannot deliver your package Hmm. because because we got to your house and we couldn't figure out which door to leave it at. Is basically basically what they said. They said it was address issues. But I know I put in my address – correctly and they've delivered it to before i the person i just think gave up and is tired of being a delivery person interesting yes so anyway that has nothing to do with what we're talking about i may still be kind of bitter yeah Yeah, it sounds like it kate esp angel thing it actually gives her esp some other reason for existing other than just to (laughs) communicate with the robots off panel you know yeah but if you if you look at it from 
okay, now it's from a science fiction perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're looking at this kind of projecting forward, and they are with these spaceships and whatever, you know, who cares if, how feasible they are. But that's just one more science fiction element to me of deep space travel. It would make sense that you would try to, if you could, if ESP existed in the world, you would try to, you know, enhance that and make that something, a, a way of communication. And I, I like the way they present it. I feel like it doesn't come out of nowhere other than, wait, what? And then they explain it to you. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's not like an hour and a half into the the whole thing. And then it's like, Kate, use your ESP and destroy them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, wait a minute, what? But this is, you know, it's there. It's the first scene in the film and they, they talk about the, the ESP and, and, you know, so in, it, in it the context of the world, it fits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's no worse than the force or, you know, a Vulcan having, you know, having uh, mental mind. powers and, and, and that. But, um, yeah, it, we're coming out of the 70s. ESP was a big thing in the 70s. And, and people were even looking into it as some of that transhumanism, that cybernetics where you're enhanced. Are you able to are we able to enhance our brains to the point where we could communicate wirelessly, basically, <laughs> from yeah. brain to brain? What is what is terrible is, is when she's talking about discovering habitable life. <laughs> Did you catch that? Uh, it... <laughs> habitable life. I'm not saying it's a great science fiction movie. I'm saying it 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 missed the line. Just yeah, it just missed yeah. the line. The imagery is iconic, but the movie doesn't live up to the potential of the imagery. No. All right. Well, they never discover habitable life either. Well, I think there's a planet in front of them. <laughs> they finally discovered it because it's it's right there in front of them. So, uh, and that is habitable life. <laughs> let's let's do a quick uh, a quick rating then. Did we do a rating for Labyrinth? I think we did. We did. Yeah, was that out of five? Yes. Okay. So. so, out of five, poor, sad, damaged robots. Uh, what do you What do you give this, Evan? I'm going to give it a three point five. Oh wow! Better than I expected. Well, like I said, it's got that star automatic. It does get that automatic star? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Steve. Well, I'd say on a scale of one to nine hundred ninety-nine. <laughs> yeah. No, <clears throat> um, that's an old, old joke. I will not use it anymore. I'm retiring that joke right now. Um, uh, five st- on five robots scale, I would say a three, and it's a liberal three, um, because a two and a half is like fifty percent, and I think it's better than a fifty percent. So I'm giving it a three. But it just doesn't feel like a three to me. I'm giving it, it feels a feels more like a two and a half. Well then give it a two and a half, man. No, it's a three. All right. I'm giving a solid three. Solid. Oh wow. Solid wow. three. Uh because it's not perfect, but there's stuff to like. There's stuff to enjoy. But depending on your tone, uh, well not your tone. The tone of the movie, <laughs> depending on your mood, it's gonna be really boring. And certain audiences are never going to want to get into it. And it, yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but I I like it enough. And I think that there's enough to, to like, but you might get enough, you know, all that stuff you might get out of just, you know, looking at a a making of article in Starlog or something (laughs) to see the picture (laughs) of Maximilian. uh, 
let me put it this way. My wife fell asleep during the movie, which is not, you know, a big surprise. But then which part uh, near the beginning? Okay. And uh, then she fell asleep again when we were listening to you guys' field reports about the movie. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth, listeners. Wow. <laughs> she also fell asleep during Star Wars. So she did. So, yeah. yes, yeah. there's that also. So everything in the, the, in the theater in the theater. Yeah. To her credit, though, I mean, she is expecting. She is expecting. And she was very tired when we went and saw Star Wars. Black yes. Hole, you don't have to be expecting and tired to fall asleep. It, yeah. You can just be a, a normal, regular, everyday, whoever you are, just in the, at the height of, of the peak of health and not have, you know, like children actually pulling from your energy. It's It could put you to sleep. It could. So, okay. Well, Evan, you ready? Should I bring out Shazbot? All right, bring him out. Just Shazbot worked with Vincent in in Hollywood for a little while. They 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 both uh, waited tables together. I did so. not. I, I knew he had some sort of connection to BB-8. He told us last time. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's, a fan. he's connected. In fact, it's uh, I think it's S period H period A period Z period B O T period, isn't it? No. <laughs> okay, uh, that's someone else. I, I knew I knew two people named Shazbot. Shazbot, come on in here. Come on. Are you ready? Let's let's do this. Evan, we are presenting you with the opportunity to watch one of four films carefully selected by Ben. Each of these films are cinematic experiences of one form or another. Are you prepared to choose? Uh, hi Shazbot, and yes, I uh, I think I'm ready. Seriously, are you ready? You understand these are movies Ben wants to watch. I have watched many movies with him. No matter how many times I think I've gotten out, he keeps drawing me in. You realize he had me watching a TV show called Future Cop that stars Ernest Borgnine. Yes, the same Ernest Borgnine you just watched in Black Hole played the police partner of the robot cop. Ben likes this kind of thing. You know this, right? Yeah, I know. I, I was talking to him today about, and he was telling me about Man from Atlantis and yep. the the Invisible Water. That <laughs> the is in Invisible that, Water that's in that show. So yes, Chaz, but I am aware of what we're getting into here. So and Future Just, Cop is not as bad as it sounds. It's exactly as bad as it sounds. But you have been warned. I have done my duty. If you truly want me to proceed, I shall do it. Isn't Very it, isn't well. it like uh, Ernest the theme Cyborg of your choices is franchise. Uh, so the theme for your choices is franchise, all right? Okay. Okay. Your first choice. A movie that was meant to possibly start a franchise. Your second choice. A movie that was meant to expand a franchise into something huge. Your third choice. A movie that was meant to reboot an aging franchise. Your fourth choice. A movie that was meant to create a new franchise. All right. So do you want. Oh, man. Do you want something that was meant to possibly start a franchise? Do you want something that was meant to expand an existing franchise into something big? A movie that was meant to reboot an aging franchise or a movie that was meant to create a whole new franchise? It was intended to create a new franchise. What do you think? Oh, boy. This is rough. This is rough. This is good. Okay, I think I'm going to go with the number three. 
Number three, the aging franchise. Yeah, the, the, the failed reboot. You have chosen Flash Gordon, featuring a classic science fiction action yes. hero and remade for the 1980s. Oh, Good luck, no. Ensign Evan. It's awesome. <laughs> so our next movie for retro oh, movie reviews no. is Flash. Ah! Save He'll save every one of us. Oh, no. Oh, yes. You'll, Flash. This is good. Ah. I've seen clips of this movie. Awesome. <laughs> you know what? Even if you, if, if, you, if you start to not like the movie, just close your eyes and listen to the music because it's Queen doing I the was... music. Okay. You got me there. That'll <laughs> be nice. Yeah. I'm... My favorite band takes its lots of cues from Queen. Um, well, and I was really hoping it was uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes reboot. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. All right, nope. Flash <coughs> Gordon came Ray. out. What was it? The same year or the year before Empire Strikes Back, or maybe just right after it? But it was obviously. I mean, George Lucas wanted to do Flash Gordon. Right. Wasn't able to created his own thing. Uh, and then the people who own Flash Gordon were like, ooh, Star Wars. <laughs> you know what? We can do that. Yeah. Mm. And so you can see this is one of those movies where like Black Hole, actually, Star Wars did its thing. People started trying to figure out how do we replicate that? And so then you have this spattering of movies that comes out at the same time or around the same time as Empire Strikes Back. And you can kind of see where you have people who understood why Star Wars worked and you have other people. Yes. I'll let you decide which one this falls into, Evan. I think I know. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, We'll see. But here's what we'll do, Evan. I'll make you a deal. All All right. right. You've done. This will be three. After we do Flash Gordon, there'll be three movies that we have put you through. Okay. Indeed. Uh, We'll let you. We'll let you uh, put us through a a retro movie review that you think Steve and I should see oh. after Flash Gordon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anson Evan, don't let it get to your head. Okay. Okay. Too late. Uh, and then maybe after that, Sergeant Steve, do you, do you have any movies in your mind that you're like, oh, we should do one, a retro movie review about a movie that that I want to do. I think so, but you know what? I, I want to sort of fish around for what Evan hasn't seen. Well, don't you have the, don't, we have the list? In, yeah, I know, but I don't know where that is. In the Google Docs. <laughs> in, on, on, our, on the Google Drive. It's it's there. I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll have to check it Because I, I sent a list to him, a huge list on Facebook, the Facebook thread that we use. And he went through the whole list and found the ones that he'd already seen. And we took those out. So... Yeah, so there's a huge list there, and the reason it's so huge is because I didn't want him to be able to figure out which ones I was aiming toward. Right. So okay. there's movies on there I wasn't intending at all. Okay. Um, so you could do a similar thing. You know? All right, let me look at it quick here. But <laughs> Flash Gordon. Uh, oh, boy. All right. Well, any final words say, here? Maybe one of us. Gentlemen. Well, Final I words. just want to say that was very interesting, and I am looking forward to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but you realize these are these are seminal movies if you if you really want to embrace the the chair the third chair this is stuff that you need to be at least well-versed in and conversant in. I don't I know, know if know? Dr. Jace was well-versed or conversant in some of these movies that we're talking about here. So Some of them, yeah. No, Flash Gordon, it's... that is really just me being mean. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> this is not something you need to be conversant in. It's a fun movie. If you want to be conversant, go back and read the Alex Raymond comics, which are amazing and beautiful. Yes. Yes. They are amazing and beautiful, Evan. And, you know, if you can find some, take a look. Because that's Flash Gordon as it should be. Swashbuckling, space opera, pre-World War II, even. Yeah. All through the 1930s. Yeah. So. Fantastic stuff, and actually, a, a, um, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? It's a reaction to Buck Rogers, which came out in the very late 20s, very early 30s, and they said, "Hey, Alex Raymond, come up with a, a, a character who's sort of like Buck Rogers," and it came up with Flash Gordon. And you know, some people would say Flash Gordon's more popular than Buck Rogers. It's just sort of a, a trade-off there. They're so iconic in in and of themselves you know one so in the future there's a trend here then hey make star wars for us but use our character flash gordon yeah. and where did flash gordon come <laughs> from hey make buck rogers for us but don't call him buck rogers all right yeah. we'll talk more about flash gordon in i don't know a few weeks month or so we'll see how long it takes for us to finish it like it did this time but yeah very good. And I guess I'm just going to close things down now and say thanks for listening. Thank you, gentlemen, for watching and recording. And Godspeed. and Aliens Retro Movie Mission, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve McDonald, and Evan David, Pastor Jason O'Neill Emeritus. Our music is Gold Coast by Jens Kielstofte, available at machinimasound.com. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You may also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or interact with us at facebook.com slash strangers, or you may leave us a voicemail at the Strangers and Aliens hotline, 1-800-4-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening.